Zimbraconda is a proud supporter of Wisconsin Badger Athletics. If you're looking to purchase, finance, or service a new or pre-owned Honda, buy local. Part of the Madison community since 1973, Zimbraconda's customer service is second to none. Experience it today for yourself. Shop local. Shop Zimbraconda. After three decades of excellence as head football coach and athletic director at the University of Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez is calling it a career. I describe Wisconsin as one of the best athletic programs in the country, one of the most consistent athletic programs in the country. ESPN Wisconsin celebrates all Barry Alvarez has meant and done for our great state. People in this state have been great to me. I love this place. It's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Everybody likes to have an audience. Not maybe everybody does. This is the Barry Alvarez interview with Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself. Here's Craig Carmazan. And welcome out as it is Barry week on ESPN Wisconsin. And it's uh, the night that we've all been waiting for, right? The opportunity to talk with Coach Alvarez himself, Craig Carmazan, Mark Tauscher, Barry Alvarez with you on a time, Tausch, that we've just been so excited and waiting for. We have been, and, you know, we, I think we all knew that at some point this was going to come to an end, and it was about two months ago, and I don't know, a bunch of teammates, we were texting back and forth, and it all hit us in different ways. And now, as this week kind of continues to unfold, there's some finality, and it's just kind of, it's a weird feeling. Yeah, it is, and uh, we are joined by Barry Alvarez, and, and Coach, who um, I think I'm always going to call him Coach. He's coach. Uh, yeah, Coach, why now? I feel like you had it made. You had your whole department set up. You could have just coasted and kept doing this. Why, yeah, why now? I, you know, it, it just comes to time. Um, actually, uh, Cindy's been pushing me for <laughs> a couple years to do this. Um, I was ready to do it last January. And I can remember going in. We were trying to get through football. I was set for January, and all, you know, all of a sudden we have to deal with a pandemic, and, and I sat down with Chancellor Blank and, and decided with her, uh, it's, this is not the time to pass the baton. I'll stay until we get through this, and then uh, when, when we get things settled, then I'll step back. That is, I mean, you think about that happening, like because we all plan for the best, the worst. You, you plan, hey, in a worst-case scenario, we have 55,000 seats. You know, people in the football stadium, we have this. I mean, what was that like when all of a sudden, we don't know if we're playing, but if we're playing, we're going to have nobody. There's there's no business model for it, right? Things changed every day. What we learned about the virus daily, uh, it it was a different, it was different information. And I, I can remember walking in the office and and we got our first report uh, about contact tracing. And I could walk, walked in, I looked at McIntosh, I said, Mac. How do you play football with contact tracing? You're in the huddle. You're you're tackling people. You're blocking people. You're in the locker rooms. You meet. How it it's over. We have no chance of playing if you have if you're de- when you deal with contact tracing. About a week later, it, it starts coming out. Illinois, we we first uh, we got information. We're doing testing, quick change tests. We can get the results in less than an hour. Saliva test. Uh, Illinois is a little further ahead than us. Uh, now, that's a game changer. You can have a clean practice field. You can have, uh, you know, you can be clean. The conference started, you know, we started ta- discussing that. Now that opened the door uh, to possibly a possibility of playing. But it was, man, I can't tell you. 
how many Zoom calls I've had with athletic directors. I was running the coaches' meetings. Um, you know, when you're going to play, when's the last possible time you could have a season? What's, you know, what's this, how many games is a season worth to, to an athlete? You know, and, and uh, boy, just so many question marks. But to get it done and to play all of our sports, 23 sports, all of them had a chance to play this year. That, that is in, that is incredible, and I think it was uh, probably not the right time to uh, hand the keys over to uh, anybody. <laughs> no. But it's it's uh, I mean it's it's pretty incredible though to think about all of the things you had actually built up over the years. That's a you know that's all of a sudden an engine that needs to be maintained. So you know those bigger buildings, those bigger budgets, those larger staffs. I mean, running a department in that moment. I mean. Cutting sports, cutting coaches, cutting... I mean, I assume everything had to be on the table as you were first going into this pandemic. It was. Well, you know, first of all, you, you halt all your building projects. You put a halt to all travel, a halt to all hirings. You're losing millions of dollars. You know, you, you, that 50-some million in t- football and TV revenue, you don't even know if you're going to play a season. You've got $175 million uh, budget to start the year and no income for a while um that's 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 tough duty so uh, it was very complicated it was very difficult to furlough people to decide who's going to be furloughed how long uh the cuts uh but those decisions had to be made you have to you have to be flexible you got to be you you have to be nimble and be able to move and that's the last big challenge that you took the program through but you think back tash um that may seem like the most impossible thing but I think when you look back to the beginning of this, the now like 30 years, right, of sustained greatness of, of the department, football program first department, I mean, is almost more impossible to believe, right? You, I mean, you grew up here. Yeah, I think, you know, early on and, you know, for everybody that comes to games, you see when, you know, Coach Alvarez, what, 30-some years ago up at that press conference and, you know, the swagger that you knew came every time that comes on, I think everybody gets a chill and when you took that on and you said all the right things and Madison is a great town, when did you know that you were going to be able to turn this thing around? The last game my first year. Um, we weren't very good, very limited. Probably had five legitimate Big Ten players. You know, Troy Vincent's a great player. Don Davey, great player. Gary Casper was a good player. Could have been a great player had we had him for a few years. He's a little undisciplined, but had we had him, uh, we, we could have turned him into a great player. But we, we had some decent players, but not no offense. Uh, the guys played hard. So we go to Michigan. We have one win. We beat Ball State. A good Ball State. Really tough Ball State squad. <laughs> good road squad. They were a good road squad. <laughs> uh, you know, when, remember when we played, we played Boise, Boise State? Before and, they were Boise. Yes, this was not Boise Powerhouse. And Mike Samuel has to make the most ridiculous scramble to end the game. And after the game, everybody's relieved. The coach's like, I'll tell you what, that's a damn good Boise State team. That's a good road team. Good, they're a great road team. That's what I, I was asked in my first question in a press conference. Andy Baggett says, have you ever been embarrassed after a win? I said, never. 
I'm going to go home. I'm going to celebrate like crazy. Another win, and we got to go to work tomorrow, man. we got a lot of things to I, see. Of, I, thought, I thought it was Lou Holtz who taught you how to build up every opponent, right? I mean, he, yeah. he made everybody well, he seem did. like, uh, yeah. like you know, because I assume with college kids, right, anyone can beat you if they're not they prepared to play, right? They can. Uh, yeah, you, I learned that. Bob Devaney was the same way. You, you always build up your opponents. You uh you downplay things you never give any bulletin board material yeah. okay so let's go back to that first last game at michigan so first anyhow year. so michigan state they've got a bowl game uh a good typical pearless team very physical they're going to knock i mean they're going to knock you around run the ball but very talented uh we've got one win we go in there we really aren't playing for anything seniors last game and i'm gonna tell you now our guys played lights out troy ran we had no offense but Troy ran a punt back for a touchdown. We kicked a field goal. We have the ball inside the five. We just put a play action, little dumper in. And, and uh, uh, Tony Spath, God bless him, it's a five-yard dunk from, from me to Utah. It's just like that. It goes through his arms or we win the game. But the guys play. They really played hard. And I told him after the locker room that, and I knew right then, I had the, we had the players. We pushed them hard. Uh, we didn't win any games, but they never quit. And uh, I, I made a big deal out of it with the seniors that uh, I appreciate it. And when we when we go to the Rose Bowl, that I would buy a watch and I would send each of them a watch. And I followed followed through on that promise. I mean, the idea of you guys going to the Rose Bowl, you've just won one game. The program's been to, like, only, like, the New Jersey Bowl or something in the last Garden 50, the last 50 years at that point. <laughs> six, I mean, six bowl games in the history of the school at that point. I mean, the, and, and then to believe that. So you said when you were saying you could get the players, you weren't going to get big recruits at that point, but how did you know that early that you could have a system that could win in the Big Ten with guys that you could actually get? Because I knew you had how to, to win. know guys you I could knew get. the Big Ten. I knew the Big Ten. Um, I played against Mission Head when I was at Iowa. Uh, you know, we played Michigan every year. Uh, I really had a beat on them. Went to Notre Dame. We played Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue. I knew the league. Uh, I knew, you know, at Notre Dame I recruited the whole Midwest. Uh, I, I knew the areas. I had recruited Wisconsin. I had, I had the two top kids in the state committed to Notre Dame already. Knew the high school coaches. Um, I, I, I felt that I could hire a staff that could recruit, and I did. Dan McCarney and Bernie Wyatt, they'd go find guys. Now, they'd, Bernie would go out east had great relationships. He could bring great players in, guys that could have gone a lot of different places. Mac in the Midwest uh, and really great in the home. Kevin Cosgrove in St. Louis, I mean, he'd go in and get the, some of the best players. We probably had four All-Americans out of St. Louis that he brought in. Uh, Billy Callahan. Billy go find players. He'd flip over rocks and find guys. <laughs> he'd go into the city in Chicago. He came back with a film of a kid in gym class. <laughs> Want me to take the kids? Billy. Billy, what, how, I get the, how can I take this kid? Look at him. Look how he jumps. Look at him. I don't take the kid. The kid goes to UNLV, and he ends up playing for the Steelers for 10 years. <laughs> Elmer Bailey's his name. You got to check the Dodgeville. Yeah. Uh, Dodge, Dodgeball Dodge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but those guys could recruit. Now, flat recruit. And, and Chili was a good recruiter. I'd had uh, uh, Walter Payton's son. Jared would have come here had Chili not taken the job. Uh, Who would he go to with the Philly. Eagles? Philly. You know, uh, we had Walt or Jared, Jared locked up. So, you know what? I, I think everybody kind of breezes over that first year, but 
culture. You are always big on talking about culture. You've done it both as an athletic director and as a coach. But what was it when you came in? Because you're talking about years of just losing. How did you kind of get, you know, you weed guys out. That was always one of the things people talked about. But what was it? What did you need to see to switch the culture? Tosh, culture is everything that touches the program. That's from the first minute that you walk into the office. What does the office look like? Not my office, the whole football office. And I walked in. I got two secretaries sitting there with, with sweatshirts on, smoking a cigarette. I mean, it's it's the ceiling stained, the rug is funky. I, I walked in. I looked around. I said, "Okay, tear all this carpet." I, I said, "I'm leaving tonight to go recruiting. I want all this carpet out of here. I want somebody in here paint all this." And girls, here's what we're going to do. We're not wearing dressing like this anymore. This I expect you to act. This how I expect you to answer the telephone. Uh, get new phones in here so we can get get efficient. And so it starts with everything. I talk to the the, uh, the training people in the training table. How they're going to talk to the players. How they're going to treat the players. Equipment managers. Strength. I brought you know my own strength coach in. So if any anyone that touches the program, they had expectations on how to, I expected them to act. I made the coaches wear shirt and ties for my first probably five years here. Uh, then I got lenient, and on Fridays I'd let them come in casual. But I just want to send a message. This, this is a professional office. You walk into our office, I want it to look like you're walking into a bank or an insurance office. So it's just it's just how everybody perceives you, how you act. You knew the rules. No hats inside. Back then it was no earrings, no facial hair, no hair. Touch your I your mean, collar. Tausch's hair. Well, right I, got, now, I, I, I lightened up. As we <laughs> I lightened up. Back then... That's the way it was, you know, and uh, you're going to do it or you're not going to play. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Thanks for the memories, Coach. I wanted my guys to feel they had an advantage. Always have an advantage. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmazan. Chatting with Barry Alvarez, it is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin. So, to be able to do that, to come in, to have that kind of autonomy, there had to be a trust between Pat Richter, who had brought you in. I mean, so how, did, how was that feeling out process? First, to know that Pat was a guy who would let you do what you needed to do. And then him being like, whoa, 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 can you really, like, I mean. Well, you got to understand. How, how, how'd that go? Pat, had, you know, he played here, played professional football, but he's a businessman. He, he's, he's with Oscar Meyer. He really, had, he really didn't know the NC2A rules or the operation. He was, he's learning. He's learning on the run, the NC2A, how to run a department and that type of thing. Uh, basically, leave me alone. I, you know, I know the rules. I'm not going to break the rules. Um, you know, I've, I've been with good programs. And I'm going to run this the right way. Um, and Pat did give me total autonomy to run the program. And, and uh, we knew what we were doing. And he had confidence in us. And, and uh, he, you know, Pat realized, you want to have a good athletic program? you got to win in football. And, uh, you, know, we made, you know, we made quick strides. That second year, we were playing with babies. They're, they're, you know, they're true freshmen. And, and, and the guys that had to play the year before, they weren't physically ready. But. Man, we, you know, had those guys been with us for five, six years, we could have won seven, eight games that year and the next year, too. I mean, we're, we're really competitive as, as quickly as the second year. 
Yeah, I, I still love the story, and Don Davey told us this when we had our players only, when I don't remember which kid, I'm sure you remember, when they got up and said, we're beating Michigan, huh? and you said, whoa, 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 slow down. And no, he said, it's Nick Polzinski, <laughs> northern, typical northern Wisconsin, big palooka, you know, thick neck. <laughs> Nick, six, probably six four three twenty, and we're in camp. We're at the seminary, and he jumps up and says, we're going undefeated. Well, because you, you wanted to set goals, right? You want the players we're gonna, to We're going to start goals setting goals. We're going to set goals. Players are going to set them. Be realistic. We're going to go undefeated. And if anybody doesn't believe me, I'll kick your butt right here. And I said, I put my hand up and said, I don't believe you. Man. I've been around some really good teams. Just came from an undefeated team. We're not good enough yet for undefeated. Let's get realistic now. And there was a, there was a hush over the room. But let's be real, guys. Let's not let's not paint a picture that that we're not. Yeah, and so as you each year were bringing in those those guys, what was the balance of going out and finding those guys who could really play? But it seemed like the heart and soul, even from the beginning to the to now, is is those Wisconsin kids. Yeah. Some on scholarship, some not on scholarship. What's the balance of chasing talent? versus, you know, establishing, you know, Wisconsin and even the walk-on program. You take the best players in Wisconsin, the best ones here, you know, some are from better programs. So the ones that aren't from better programs, or somebody may be an inch too short, two inches short, um, uh, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, late bloomer, big bones like, like Verstegen, he's going to get big. You look at his wrists, you look at his shins, you look at all that, you see he's going to be a 300-pounder. But he's 245 coming out of and, high school. And you say, hey, that same kid from over the border, we don't need to mess with. But as yeah, a I'm, not gonna roll the kid, dice. I'm not going to roll the dice on a kid from uh, Pennsylvania like that, although Joe Rudolph I did because <laughs> uh, he was really a good athlete. But uh, we're going to take the Wisconsin kids, and, and then we'll recruit the walk-ons who just don't quite fit it but really like to play football. And like Tosh, I can remember Boomer coming in saying, you got to see this kid play basketball. Tosh was a great athlete, uh, unbelievable balance. You know, he's a guy, you want him in the pro, he's tough. He has everything, you know, he's going to fit right in. You know, so everybody had their Jimmy Leonard. I didn't know Jimmy until at camp. But, but you could have gotten to that point, by the way, because by the time you brought Jim Leonard in, you could have been like, hey, we've outgrown these Jimmy Leonard type guys. Yeah. We could get bigger guys. Like, we don't need this kid from, you know, Tony was wherever he is. I saw him run 4-3. You know, when he ran by me, I heard it, heard the wind. <laughs> And then you saw saw the ball skills. He was going to go play baseball, I think, at Northern. Yeah. And uh, the first day of practice, I told the secondary coach, go get that little guy down there and get him up here. He said, what do you mean? I said, you watch the same practice I watch? Every ball that's thrown, he's around it. He tips it. He intercepts it. He's, he's around the ball. Get him up here. Teach him our defense. He's going to play for us. So, so you never wanted to outgrow looking no. for those Wisconsin kids. I called them my racers. So I did a study, uh, I think it was probably after 14, 15 years. I took all the kids we signed. I studied the areas from where they came from, how much it cost us uh, per kid. Uh, I looked at all the, all the players who were strong contributors, didn't have to start, strong contributors, and we hit 50%. Okay? That's over 15 years, say. So let's say you, an average, you, you average 24 kids of signing a year. 50%, 12. If I bring in 14 walk-ons and five make it, now my percentage jumps up to a heck of a lot higher uh, and, and, you, and gives you depth and guys that have the right attitude. It's just that's our, that was our advantage 
to the other teams that weren't doing it. Because they're hitting 50%, maybe. And they're getting a great education. You're including them completely in the culture. They're, of they're treated just like the other guys. And it's important. I think when you were talking about the – it's important for kids that grew up in Wisconsin, when you come here, you got a lot of pride about it. Yeah. And, and by the way, Tausch, I assume you could talk to this. Then all of a sudden, when you took that walk-on kid, then when that coach has that four-star kid – he remembers that you looked out for him and brought on that kid who really his life goal was to be on Wisconsin, and you yeah. let him in. We there, went over the high school coaches. I just yeah. went and spoke for my last time at their clinic, and I spent my first 15 minutes thanking them. Because when I came here in my press conference, I said, I want to build a wall around the state. I want to keep all the good players here. And then I went to them, and I told them, I need you. This is what I'll do for you. And if, we're, if we play better college, college football, that will translate to better high school football. We have an open door. You can come in here. I mean, they kept testing me and testing me. And how will you do it? Um, and so we, we – When you say we, open door, guys can come watch your practices? They come watch, not only practice. They could spend the day there, and we'd set them up with film. If they wanted to t- talk to a specific coach uh, about – throwing the ball, secondary play, whatever. We would spend time with them. I had every coach. I divided the state up into, into schools. Every coach had so many so many schools, and they, they were responsible to call them every spring. Do you have any juniors we should look at? Uh, is there anything you can do? Are you coming down? Would you like to come and see practice? This is when we're doing it. Wow. And so on and so forth. And so we built a great relationship. But that's the long view, right? Other people might once they hit, once they hear about a kid, that's when they're calling, and you've already you've already won at that point. The game's coach. over at that. We point. got his coach already. We got we've had the kid down here, and then one last, one thing I used to do at that clinic, I would do the my state of the state, and I'd give my tell them where my pro, and you know we'd get over three thousand coaches here. We built that thing up, and they'd come in and they'd want to listen, and I'd take every kid from in state, and I'd say, okay, thank you. Joe Blow from Kokomo for providing uh, Mark Tauscher uh, and so-and-so. And they and have a clip of those guys. And they sat there, especially if you had a kid that was playing or on even on the team. You got your name mentioned, and the kid and, the kip, and those guys would just blow up like toads. And that was a big deal. And so it was, you know, we had to do that. Uh, and that gave us an edge. It gave us an edge. Well, yeah, and, and also within the locker room, there was never the, well, this kid was a five star recruit. He's going to get, if you can play, you're going to play. And that, you, that continued to show over and over. So again. then, okay, so then we, we're taking, you know, second, third year, your guys can play, but they can't win yet, right? So what? We're close. Yeah, so what, what was the breakthrough in that 93 season where, what was it in 93? When, where, we when? Knew, was, we knew at the end of 92, we were a good team. And we're going to, kick a field goal, went, and, and we have two bowls lined up. Uh, I'm really excited about it for our guys. And uh, we fumbled the ball. We found ways to lose the, during those years because that's a year we should have we been 10-2. and two. I mean, we, we were a good team. We lost a couple in the la- – Iowa beat us in the last seconds, Indiana in the last second, Illinois. We lost some really, really tough games. Uh, and everybody's coming back. We've got a good squad. Now they're mature. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. 
Miss any great Barry Week content? You don't need a search committee to find it. I won't use a search committee. Most search committees use me. Full show podcasts are available free. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin On Demand, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Karmazin. So you come into 93 and... You know, when, when, I mean, were you, was Rose Bowl, if someone stood up and said, hey, stood, we're going to the Rose Bowl, well, we, would you say, hey, slow down? Well, or we didn't you? talk like that start season. We just, I talked about, I went through every position, talked, compared us to the rest of the league. And I felt we were as good as anybody in the league at every position. And I meant it. I Because they, they knew I wouldn't blow smoke. I, I felt that we were really good. And Bev wasn't super talented, but Bev knew where to go with the ball. And he had good weapons around him. He had good tight end. Mike Rohn was a heck of a tight end. Duramus is a first-round pick. Ron Wolf told me he'd have taken Duramus in the first round had he not Got busted his leg up. Yeah. And uh, J.C. was a good receiver. Michael Lund was. And the O-line was really good. They're tough. Just nasty. They're street fighters. And the defense would get after you. We couldn't play press man or anything, but we could blitz enough and do some things that on uh, defense, we, we create problems for people. Michigan and what happens there. I mean, again, in, in terms of management and leadership, and there's a major tragedy you're, like, managing over, right? The stadium yeah. collapse, which is supposed to be your crowning moment. You guys have beat Michigan. Beat Michigan. And with all the build-up, Panos, this should be the, the most exciting moment of his life. Instead, he's trying to save people. Yeah. I mean, Talk about that day and, and what that was like. It was uh, – and I, I, as soon as the game was over, I run out. But the we had security, apparently. They didn't want anybody on the field. And they're holding our students back. And this is when they were on the side, not in the end zone. And so the ones up against the railing, it just kept pressing and pressing. And the railing broke. So you might have been on the 40th row, and all of a sudden, you're in the first row, you fall, second row falls. And like a dominoes. And so you're like on a wave if you're on the 35th to 40th row. And you're just swooped. And you, the, when you hit, you're, you might be at the hash mark. But there's somebody at the bottom of that pile. And these kids were crushed. Some of them, and we had some broken arms. We, our, our guys thought that they had, that we had, we had uh, non-pulse, non-breathers. Their faces were blue. I mean, we had guys doing uh, resuscitation. Mike Brin saved a few people. We had guys carrying them uh, to, the, to the ambulance. I mean, Joe Rudolph comes down. He's crying. We got guys crying coming to the locker room. It, you went back up there. It looked like somebody dropped a bomb in there. I mean, it was, it was so scary. And not to lose anybody was a miracle. Yeah. But we had a number that were seriously injured. We had to deal with that through the weekend. Then finally, you know, we had players going over to the hospital seeing some of their, their fellow students and, uh, we were wor- really worried and concerned, and I told the guys, just back off. No, we got to turn around and play Ohio State the next week. Just back off emotionally. They're zapped. You know, unlike a normal Ohio State weekend, we just backed off and slowly. I, I mean, think about, I mean, Tosh, think about beating Michigan. How do you get up the next – at home you beat Michigan. How do you get up the next week? Then the emotions of that. I mean, so was it simple as just backing off? Or, well, I mean, we how, we had help. We had, we had emotional help. We had – Doctors come in and, 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 and visit with players uh, during practice time. You know, we shortened practice up and, and let them. We had to get their heads clear. And we had to, uh, you know, mentally we had to, had to help them. And uh, especially the ones that were right in the middle of it. And so 
you know, we do that the first few days, and anybody that needed help, they get, they went in during the day. Um, and then Wednesday, you know, we're gradually putting our game plan in, but really like at practice, it was real low-key. So when you think back, you end up tying that game, right? That ends up Yeah, we outplayed them. Right, yeah. I, we had a pep rally on Friday, so we had to do something. So we had a pep rally on Friday, and uh, – and the students were all cranked up, and I, I got up, and, I, and game day was going to be there. And game day films me saying, you know what, Ohio State thought they were, they were upset that we beat them the year before with Herb Street at quarterback. I said, hell, they were lucky the game was even close. So they run that on game day. You know, of course, uh, Corso, he was always intimidated by Ohio State and Michigan. That's why he never beat them. And he comes out and said, whoa. He just gave them bulletin board material. They're going to go in there and and, and knock their socks off. They, they have no chance. Our guys outplayed them. We had a field goal blocked on that last play of the yeah. game where we win the game. Yeah, but and so that puts you in position for all of a sudden this game going to Japan to all of a sudden mean a lot, right? Like you're going to. You know, go it was interesting them. how that came about. Um, they were playing that game over there every year. They'd get two teams to play, and they came to me like in the summer. And Bill Snyder at Kansas State had taken a team. Nebraska had taken – I think he might have played Nebraska over there. It had to be a conference game. And a couple other teams had played there. And so they came to me and asked if I would do it. And you have to give up a home game, which our local restaurants and chamber weren't real happy with that. But I, I, I told Pat, I said, you know what, these guys, these juniors and seniors have really worked. They put so much time in. We just missed the bowl last year. What a great experience that would be for them. And, and Pat went along with it. And then you got to get some team to play. So I get Perlis. George is a good buddy of mine. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking, see, if I play George, I got that week. I'm finished the week before. I get an extra week of prep. He's got to play Penn State. He has to come right after the Penn State game. We leave the next morning. I got my guys ready for a week before we go. So I had oh, to advantage because it, it was because it was right for the year. So you already could look at the schedules and and plan yeah. out who you could yeah. hand pick oh, yeah. that game. <laughs> George thinks you're doing him a favor, right, at that well, point? George is doing me a favor. Okay. He is. Okay. He likes, you know, here's a guy in the league trying to, trying to make it. We hadn't been very good, and uh, he's, he's beaten us a few times. He doesn't realize that I'm going to be a good team. <laughs> and so then, and you guys back then, like, you're – you're splitting the plane out there like this is like you got and you got you had to sleep with a, a astronomer. I mean, you went deep here, and I don't know how much of it was just the psychology of your team. Well, I thought you knew every week. I always had. I I wanted my guys to feel they had an advantage. Always have an advantage. I don't care what it was. If we play Ohio State, you say, you know what, guys, we're not just prepping this week for Ohio State. Everything we do in the off season. Uh, lifting, running, it's, it's to beat Ohio State. Be more physical, and that's the only way you can beat them. And so I'm looking for an advantage, so this is our advantage. Uh, we talked to somebody on campus, works with astronauts. You can turn your body clock back two hours a day. has to do with light and dark. So I buy sunglasses for all the guys, and every day they change their, their body. They, they stay up later. They wear sunglasses the last two hours of the day. The next day it's four hours. The next day it's six hours. They stay up later, sleep later. And I'm trying to get 12 hours, backed up 12 hours, so when we land, you had to stay at, they had to stay up on the flight all the way over. Okay, so how long a flight is this? It's like 14 hours. Okay, so they, they <laughs> so can't sleep on the can't plane. Can't sleep on the plane. So when they get there, it's midnight. We'll go to the hotel, and we'll go to bed. You get up the next morning, you're right on Tokyo time. Yeah. And, and Michigan State doesn't know anything about this. It'll take them four days to get caught up to where you are. 
And so you guys get on the plane. You don't obviously you don't the players aren't going to tell Michigan State, hey, we're staying up. No, my guys. So my guys were in the top of the plane. Michigan State's down below. They just finished the game the night before at Penn State. Plus they got to be wiped out. So my, I see my guys sneaking down those steps, you know, from upstairs. They look at Penn State, or I mean Michigan State. They're sleeping across the seats. They're on the floor. They're down the aisles. They're all sleeping. My guys are giggling and laughing, running back up. Hell, they knew they had that game one going over there. See, I mean, that's the beauty of it. I, I, I remember, we'll skip ahead just as hilarious. I remember a, a game against uh, Auburn, and, and this might have, I don't remember if this was your last game. You had a lot of last games, but <laughs> in one of the last games, that you you just decide to say like hey when i got when i saw it was auburn and this was one of those like auburn teams that thought they should have been in the bcs yeah. that was my they, last actual game yeah and and, and Barry's thing was like oh we match up really well with auburn and like all he like for weeks like he's oh we match up and after the game i'm like i had to convince our guys yeah and after the game i'm like so what was the i was like you guys ended up dominating what was the matchup you saw he's like i don't know i just if, if they never looked at film i didn't yeah. know who was on their team <laughs> He's like, I was coming. That's, and so I, I tell you that story. We get ready to play. They should. They thought they should have been in the national champ. They, they were, were like sixth ranked in the country. Yeah, they right? were loaded. And Bob, I can remember Bob Davidson. We're at the press conference the week before the or the week they announced the, the matchups, and I was in, at a, a function in Milwaukee. Everybody felt sorry for me. Oh my God, you got Auburn. You know they they should be in the national championship game. Da da da. And uh, we go to the press conference and. Uh, uh, Tampa, yeah, Tampa, and, and uh, or Orlando, wherever it was, and I can remember we come out and Cindy said, "Boy, you did a great job. You did a great job. The media loves you. Going to get your ass beat. Probably going to get your ass beat, but they love you." <laughs> I'm thinking all the way home. God, my wife doesn't even think we could win, and, and so I, I just made up my mind. I walked in and I told the coaches, "Let's have a meeting." I said, "I've been studying their roster, studying our roster. We played them two years ago." We're a better team this year than we were two years ago. They had Cadillac Williams and, and Ronnie, ba- or whatever, Ronnie, Brown. Ron, Ronnie Brown. And I said, and they call us for a clip when Jimmy Leonard ran a punt back, or we won that game. I said, we, I, I matched. I went through the whole line. I matched everything. I didn't even look, look at the roster. <laughs> I said, we match up with these guys great. And I'm call, call team meeting. I go in with the kids. Before we give a scouting report, I want to talk. I go through the same thing. Match up, boom, boom, boom. Every day at practice, just keep pounding them how great we're practicing. And the last work they touch, you always remember that. That's the last grinder. No one wants to go to that. I called it off. I said, you know what? You're right where you need to be. We don't need to practice. We got these guys already. We're going to walk through today, have a light practice, and and give you the rest of the day off. Just stay off your feet. And we went out and played lights out. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Iron Jock would like to thank Barry Alvarez for his storied career at the University of Wisconsin. Thank you, Barry. From Iron Jock Nation, go to ironjock.com and receive 20% off orders over $50 when you use the code IRONJOCK20. Thanks for the memories, Coach. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmazan. I've used that in the last probably 10 years in our company. I mean, if you go in believing you're going to win, it changes everything. So... 
you guys then go out to Michigan State. You believed you were going to win. And now, slow, plodding, corn-fed Wisconsin. It's a nice story. Sure, you beat Michigan and you beat tied Ohio State. But UCLA is going to outrun. I mean, they're athletic. I mean, you guys are going out to Rose Bowl. And first of all, we haven't talked about the fans. This fan base, what had been built in a short time, yeah. was, I mean, talk about what that fan base and those five, I mean, what well, it had got, become already. It, it got crazy now. It was the games were exciting at home. It was sold out. You know, all of a sudden we have a home field advantage. And uh, about midway through the week, the guy, they assigned you a driver there. And my driver, the year prior, had been the, the student body president at UCLA. So he says to me, do you realize what's happening, Coach? I said, no, I, I, you lost me here. Tell me what's happening. He said, your people are snapping up every ticket. that comes. Any ticket they can get their hands on, they're getting it. The tickets are going through the roof. They're scalping these things. And I know the UCLA people, they are not real loyal. They will scalp those tickets, buy a color TV, and watch it at home. <laughs> and so, you know, my and we're the home team. Uh, Terry Donahue asked me if, if – uh, they could stay in the home locker room since it was their locker room and they had all their stuff. I said, hell no. You stay in the visitor's locker room. We're the home team. We're wearing red. We'll take the home locker. You go and get used to the visitor's locker room now. And so I told the kids, I said, you know what? That stadium's going to be red. When we take that field, it's going to be all red. It's going to be Camp Randall West. We'll have a home field advantage. We're the home team. And it was. And a lot of our people, they said like 25,000 couldn't get in. Uh, I've got a picture at the office with all the people outside. So the Rose Bowl put, like, movie screens outside so those that went there could tailgate and do that and sit and watch, watch the game right outside the stadium, hear the roar. Yeah, well, and one of the things, the first time, you know, we get, you get the big binder, right, when you report to seminary, and at the back of the binder it said, we don't go to bowl games, we win them. <laughs> and I always thought, you know, you go through a season, and that's always the carrot, the reward at the end, but that was always something that I thought – what went into the psychology of doing that? Because I don't think I've – I don't know how many other coaches do that. Yeah. Terry Donahue really gave me a great piece of advice uh, accidentally. We were in New York for the uh, – that same year, and uh, season was over. to go back for the Hall of Fame, and we're visiting about the, the bowl game. And he says, you know what? I really learned a valuable lesson. And he, he had the best record of any active head coach at the time in bowl games. He said – um, my first year, we, we were picked to be last or next to the last in the, in the, in the Pac-10. And uh, we had a very good year, really good year, much better than anybody anticipated. We were going to go to a bowl game. wasn't the Rose Bowl, so I didn't put much into it. Really didn't care much about it. I wanted the guys to have a good time. Really didn't put a lot into the game in preparation. And we went out and got thumped. And that's all the people talked to, our fans and alumni talked about in the out of season is the bowl game. And so what I had done uh, when I was at Iowa, you know, when I played at Nebraska, we, we weren't very good at bowl games. And my, our, when we went to the first Rose Bowl, we, we had a terrible plan, terrible plan. And I kept watching and studying. what We're playing Don James in Washington. They're there every year, and they win every year. I'm watching what he did. We, you know, we didn't, nobody had indoor facilities. You go out there the 17th of December, but so did they. We had our guys up at 6.30 in the morning, have a 7 o'clock breakfast, then meet, get on the field, hurry up practice so we can get out, eat again, 
go to Disneyland. You know, it was just hurry up. And by at night, they're they're like robots. They're worn out. Get up again, 6.30 in the morning. Don James has his guys in in uh, uh, Anaheim. Every two guys has a car. No hours. Practice at 3 in the afternoon. Meet at 1. That's like your regular if you were in school. So the guys are running hard. They got no hours. They got a car. They're running hard. They have a per diem. Uh, they can sleep late. They get a good practice in. They're worn out by the time. Then five days before the game, they come to Pasadena. And they're ready to focus on football. They're tired. They're worn out. And so now you can give them hours. Uh, they don't mind that because they've had a good time. They do the functions that you do for the bowl game, and they're ready to go. Let our be, guys are worn out. Right. Let them be kids for a while. You got to be kids. No, so. and it was always, it was always like you're not. It's a business trip. You know what you're there for, but there's always you want to get the experience. And I think all of us as players, whether it's you go to Hawaii, you go see Pearl Harbor, you get to go surfing. Uh, it was always something else because it wasn't just football. But we always knew football was the most important yeah. piece of it. Yeah, you, if, if the away game was a business trip. But if I'm going to take my team all the way across the country or Seattle, we're going to go. Uh, we played Stanford. You go to Fisherman's Wharf. You, you know, you you take them uh, at the Rose Bowl. You take them to every function. I tell them anything we pay for, you go to because someday you're going to have to pay for it when you got to start <laughs> working for a living, and it's pretty expensive. So you do it. Don't be like me. I was a knucklehead when I was in college. They were paying for it, and I'm going to the dog track down in Miami, the Orange Bowl. <laughs> you know, so don't make the mistakes that I did. Um, and so I, I wanted them to experience that. We play UNLV. I'll take them, and I drop them off at a casino and say, okay, walk. Don't stop and gamble, but you can, I want you to see what a casino's like. We'd eat at the buffet at one of the casinos. Drive straight down the strip so they could at least see. Okay, wait. Speaking of Vegas, all right, no one's listening now. So when they turn the lights out. Were you, was that a plot? Like, do we have, uh, you know, can we get, can we now? I'll tell you what, now, no. I'll tell you my theory. Okay. If they try to blame a truck hitting a, a power pole, that didn't happen. <laughs> that, the power company came out later. I'll guarantee you that was just the amount of time everybody put their amount of Everyone had their money, money on Wisconsin. On, on us. They had put, by the way, everyone didn't just put their money. All the money it cost all of us to go out to Wisconsin. We had all bet on the Badgers that, on that there game. There's no doubt about it. I went I, – I, I happened – the week before we'd start camp every year, right? My best buddy has a place out there, and Ted Kellner and I, we have a group. We'd go play golf. We'd spend a weekend in Vegas. And we were, we were just coming back to start camp, my first meeting on Sunday. And it was like that Friday. And I can remember one of my friends, a guy named Joe Rita. He was a stick man for the crap table from Steubenville, <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> and Joe comes running out. He said, the, the, the lines just came out. He says – you play, and you, that's the first year that you can bet on UNLV. Yeah. He says, uh, you're only a, like a nine-point favorite. I said, are you kidding? We'll beat the snot out of those guys. That's exactly what I said. I said, they have no chance. We bump these guys. Are you kidding me? So that's the last I so, remember. So you, basically, you would have put Vegas under if they hadn't pulled the lights out. The, the, well, we had the them down 17. Yep, the Badger So I got here, here's, here's the best, so the best part of the story. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. We're calling the commissioner. We got the officials. And I called John. John Robinson and I are good friends. I called John out. I said, hey, John, God, it's late, man. I said, I'm going to put one more on you. I mean, you're, you're not going to beat me. There, you know, there, what is it, three minutes left, three and a half minutes left? No, I think it was like six because wasn't it like it, it's an it, official it's, game at five three, minutes or something or, or, or two minutes, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he said, uh, 
I know it. I said, we're going to get somebody hurt screwing around here. Wait, We waited an hour. I said, let's just say the officials called it. You, we'll call the official. You tell him, game over. You concede. <laughs> it's game over. He said, I'll agree to that if you never if you promise never to tell anybody. <laughs> so this is long enough I can tell the story. <laughs> nice. Uh, as we chat with Barry Alvarez, it is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin. So back to the Rose Bowl. It ends up being a, a, a competitive game. Obviously, you guys are uh, you know you guys are, are are able to have. I got chills when you said uh, Camp Randall West, but you guys are able to compete. Uh, the most athletic guy on the field, of course, isn't JJ Stokes, right? It's Bevel running for the long uh, the long touchdown. But what what's what's the memory of that first Rose Bowl? Is it is it the on the field? Is it looking out at the crowd like because that that's got to be the culmination of so many I've amazing things. I've said this things. before. There is no more beautiful venue in sport than the Rose Bowl. That clear day in the mountains and, you know, those three palm trees right over the scoreboard. And it'll take your breath away when you come out of that locker room and the field, they bring that grass in that sod from over in in Nevada someplace. And and it's perfect. And it's it's really green and it's painted perfect. It's a pretty – it'll take your breath away. If you're not careful, it's the middle of the second quarter before you realize, hell, I'm playing a football game. And, and so, you know, I learned all that in those years at Iowa. So I took our guys out there before the game so they could walk around, get pictures, get that out of their system so when it's time to play that you go out and play. Um, and you know what? Quite frankly, we were putting that game away. We had a fourth and one, and uh, – they're in, Donnie Edwards is two steps offside. We're running Brett to the, on his own plate to the right. Donnie Edwards comes from backside in and catches him at the line of scrimmage. And that's when we had the fight. The fight breaks out. But that should have been first down us or the, because that was a penalty. They're offside. Then we end up losing Doremus, our best receiver, and Mark Montgomery, our fullback. You know, so because uh, we score there. They're, they're about ready to quit. Their big end was – Defensive end, he he's about ready to tap out, and and then Stokes starts going crazy. Well, right? he caught him. He was he was. I mean, he caught balls all game. That was yeah. good. He's a good player, man. Yeah, and and so you you win the Rose Bowl, and all of a sudden that becomes a standard, right? As Tausch said, not just get to a bowl well, we, game, yeah. but win a bowl game. Yeah, and, that, and obviously the next year was a rough year, but it. it but we went next, and won a bowl game. Yeah, over the next few years. That's the standard, right? So at that point, are there guys that you're saying, this is our program guy, this is who you want to be like? Have you now established that already? So, hey, freshman, this person, this is who you could be as a senior. Like, does it no, work that way? No, or how does it work as no, you start just, building a program? You no, know, we just have expectations at that point. You can achieve those things if you do the right things. We recruited you. We think you could play here. Uh, you follow the plan we give you. Uh, you don't beat yourself. You know, we have certain criteria that we use, and, and that's what we were doing early on. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. This is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Find more great content celebrating the legendary career of Barry Alvarez. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast free on Wisconsin On Demand. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmison. 
chatting with Barry Alvarez. It is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin. One of the things, and you know, Mike McCarthy would always say this, it's not about getting to the top. It's about handling success and not letting that become you get complacent. What, from your opinion, obviously it was a huge mountain to climb, but it was it's pretty tough, yeah. and we had a couple dips of seasons after that Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. well, that I did a poor job after the first Rose Bowl managing our players. You know, we talked about the Rose Bowl was such a big thing. We had some guys, and, in, in, you know, we had a lot of trouble that next year. And we had a lot of guys thought that they had made it already. It was over. They've accomplished their goal, and they didn't realize you have to bow your neck and, and, uh, and, and things are going to be tougher. And you have, still have to continue to improve. And we got sloppy. And I ended up booting kids throughout the year, including the MVP of the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten MVP, Brent. And uh, uh, so I, I learned the lesson there. I, did, I didn't do a very good job managing that. And I remember back Tosh and after that 98 season, we won the Rose Bowl. And I, I went right after it in that locker room. So I'm not going to let what happened in 93 happen again now. This, we have a chance to really be great again, and we're not going to slip, and we're going to keep our, our nose to the grindstone. And, you know, even though we started out rough, the guys, we had, still had the guys, and they, they put things together. Well, I mean, you're coming back with a new quarterback, so, I mean, you, you still had a pretty good running back going back-to-back years, but you had a new running back. But before we get to that back-to-back Rose Bowls, um, all of a sudden you're a hot commodity, right? I mean, and Wisconsin's not going to keep the hottest coach in the country now. NFL teams want him. Big-time college coaches want him. What are you still doing here 30 years later? Like, what, what happened? What were the ones that you almost took? What were the ones that got away? And, and why make that choice Nothing in those moments? Nothing almost got away. Um, no? The jo- you know what? We decided early on in our, when we were married, uh, we wanted to do what Bob Devaney did. We wanted to find a place. We did not want to be coaching vagabonds. We did not want to go from job to job to job. Uh, kids moving all over the place. Uh, every job that I took, it was it was the right time for my kids. I, I, we won the national championship, and I can remember Lou saying to me, "Now, what do I have to do to keep here?" I said, "Coach, I'm going to stay one more year." You know, I got a, a, a daughter that's going to graduate from high school. Get let her graduate from high school. I'm not going to uproot her. Got a son that's you know he'll finish junior high. He'll start high school next year. That's my year. I'll move. Just give me more responsibility. So we wanted to go someplace, build a place have roots in that community and that'd be our place and so it was always flattering when people came good way to get a raise maybe back <laughs> yeah, here. You know, i only leveraged that one time i <laughs> i didn't even get a raise after the first rose bowl what i did not get a raise i got uh, some guys put a an annuity together that uh that you had i think i had to stay for 15 years <laughs> to, to get it it was like forever if i ever wanted to get that annuity but anyhow uh, no, I didn't get a raise. I, I didn't get a raise until the next year Dan McCartney, uh got a job at Iowa State, and his, his salary was going to be more than mine. I can remember going to Joel Matry and saying, something's wrong with this picture. You know? <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I think back in uh, after one of that, maybe 98 or 99. So Philadelphia Eagles, University of Miami. I never used that as leverage. But, but you didn't come close? You didn't say, like, gosh, I, I tell you what, too, I was or... very upset after the shoebox incident. Yeah. That it was handled so poorly by our administration, uh, I thought they railroaded the, railroaded us. Yeah, I don't. Th- we could if if that would happen today, uh, we'd build a case. We'd go to the NC2A and say, "This is how that place operates." 
All these high schools, and I'd have it all documented, all these high school teams go out there, they get deals. You could go out there and negotiate the, the, the shoes off of, of, of his feet. Uh, that's how it operates. It. So because our players went out there and got deals uh, and got credit, so do, so do the fraternity guys, so do the high schools. It was a, it was a railroad job, I felt. All our sports did it. There was no one else punished but football. You know, no one ever and, goes and back. punish. I mean, they kind of staggered the suspensions, but it was right at the beginning of the season, and it was Listen, a lot of guys. No one's ever had to deal with yeah. anything. The morning, we had to sit, and we were playing a night game against Western Michigan. It was a good team. I think they had a won good Western Michigan road team. Well, they, they, they won the league last, the year yeah. before, and you talk about disruption and, and not being focused. We go over to have a stretch and like we normally do for a night game at the stadium. I get on the phone, and Pat's reading off, these are the people that are suspended. I'm writing on, on a blackboard. There's, twenty, I think, 24. These guys for three games, these guys for one game. And you got four games to get it. Now i got to decide who's going to play that day. You know, and, and That uh, day, the morning of the morning, night game. i got to go back and, and tell the team, you know, they're, they're, they're focused, they're ready to play a game. Now i got to tell them we have suspensions. You know, we got to play start a tackle we've really never played before. Big country has to start instead of Al Johnson. Um, so man, it was it was. And we, we you returned a punt for t- who who returned the punt? That was a uh, walk on uh, Josh walk on, Hunt. Oh, Josh, Josh Hunt. Hunt! What a Josh good punt! Pretty I good remember deal. a kid I'd never seen or here. heard before r- runs a punt back. If Josh Hunt doesn't run a punt back, I mean and. And then was well, Michael it, Bennett in one of those other the, games and you're going overtime and Michael Bennett's running? Wasn't it, it was so frustrating because, listen, I always think that the teams we were on are the best teams ever, but that team was That team had the chance. So we, you, you lose Ronnie and you get Michael Bennett. And you get Michael. Yeah. You know, we, had a, we really had as good a team as the two. The, the, I, I'm thinking we're going to win three rows. Yeah, except for the tackles. That was right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Every time Michael touched the ball, it was like a, no, po- a possible 80-yard touchdown, right? I mean, yeah. there have been 10 running backs who might have had bigger careers, but I don't know if there was ever a weapon yeah. like Michael Bennett. But Michael shut it My other guys never shut it down. Michael shut it down, toward, like in the bowl game. Mike was starting to worry about the league. Yeah. Actually, towards the end of the season, yep. uh, I think he was getting advice from from counselors that uh, uh, better protect your legs. Yeah, you got a chance to be a first-rounder. He wasn't so much worried about us winning the game as he was staying healthy. So that was the one time that you thought seriously about maybe going I would have gone. Else? I would have gone to Miami. Had, had we, my agent been able to work out a, a deal with them, I'd have taken that Miami job. And you they, Miami came after me three different times. And, and by the way, around that time, they were I just told building Shalala, up. I told Shalala about five years ago, if I had taken that job, they might still not have lost. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Coker won about two straight years. I mean, well, you, they, you they, they got beat that year. They, they had a lay down. I mean, they yeah. lost to Ohio State. They had a lay down national championship, and, Co- and, and Ohio State beats them yeah. on a fluke. But they, they're, I think they had three deep or four deep uh, tight ends were first rounders. They, they had more number. Uh, it was ridiculous. The amount of first round picks that might be the, one of the greatest college teams to have ever. You, you might have won a few national championships yeah. and not had to show up for work. Yeah. I mean, you could have hung on South Beach and won a few championships there. So this back-to-back Rose Bowl team, 
as we said, two different quarterbacks. We win one with Mike Samuel, you know, which is incredible, you know, that he's a Rose Bowl champion quarterback. One one with the, the Kavanaugh-Bollinger combination, right? Yeah. You know, I always have to throw Kavanaugh in there, you know, because I, yeah. I had to give you some advice on who should start that year. That's how we got to know each other. But, um, but Ron, when, when did you figure out that Ron could be Ron? Um, Recruiting time, or was it? Well, I knew he'd be, he could be a great player. He showed up here. He, he was on the West Coast for the high school national tra- track meet. He won the disc. I might have won the shot, too. He shows up, first day, uh, working out with our guys, and one of the things, that's running bursts, like 10, 15-yard bursts. I think Ronnie showed up at 275. And strength coach John Detman comes running up. He says, listen, he just a running back showed up at 275. He's beating everybody in these bursts by two steps. He said, I think we got something really special here. Wow. And, and, and it was right. I mean, freshman year, the team wasn't – at the level it got to, but he was, I mean, oh, right away, right? He was our offense. We played a, a, a very good Stanford team, especially good on defense. It's nothing, nothing at the half. I started him the second half. I think he runs for, I don't know, 150th at the half, you know, second half. We went, we went 14 nothing, And he's the offense. And then we go stretch. If I'm not mistaken, you can look this up. He carries the ball 47 times, 51 and 49. Three straight weeks. He'd give me, he'd tap his head. I'd say, no, no. <laughs> One more first down. One more first down. <laughs> you had seen that first year. Hey, you could fumble late in the game. You're not giving it to someone yeah. else. You were, I mean, so, I mean, just, and, and that ride, going, being part of Heisman Trophy and all that, I mean, again, kind of elevating the program and you getting to experience things. And what was that like to, to be along for that ride with Ron, who, who, well, you know, you know what? It, it wasn't just Ron. If you think, you know, you got like four or five. All Americans on that team. We went down. We went to the ESPN, the award show, and we got more than anybody. Burke's the defensive player of the year. You got Ronnie, uh, Mac, Fletch. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. We go to the, the Walter Camp out there in Tarek's hometown, and Tarek's dad pulls me aside. He says, you realize we had five guys there. Ohio State has zero. Michigan has zero. You have five. Wow. Now, that's where we, you know, that's where we were at that time from a place that, you know, we, we couldn't match up with anybody. Now, we've got more than... Than anybody, we go to the All Star Games one year with Tosh. I said the guy says uh, we want Ronnie. I said they're trying to get publicity at uh, in Hawaii. I said yeah, you can get Ronnie, but here's what you, you got to take: you got to take his wife and a baby, and I'll bring some other players. I'm gonna take Tosh. I'm gonna take Donnell, Bobby Myers, Bobby Myers, and uh, Jado. Yep. And and and, the, and they get Donnell wins the game. He blocks the punt. Tosh, Tosh the week before. Is the best block. He's the best lineman we have at East West Shrine. And by uh, the way, all those guys who were probably like Tausch could have been overlooked at different times. They all went. They Myers all played the league. Played in the league. They all played in the league. Doring. Donnell, Doring, all played. Yes. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Thanks for the memories, Coach. People in this state have been great to me. I love this place. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmazin. Tausch, around that time, the program's riding high, but all of a sudden, you're a guy who can play... But you can't get on the field, right? I mean, 
it's all. It, I mean, yeah, how first rounders? How, how competitive all of a sudden no, and that, was the program that had been built up at this point? Well, and especially offensive line. I mean, you basically knew, and this you really uh, saw play out. If you were in the two deep, you didn't even have to start because you know, as coaches said, Max an All American, Gibby's an All American, and you know, you get some third tackle. You can if you can show you can play. Scouts come rolling through all the time, and if you take any snaps, you're going to get a look to go play in the next level. Yeah, and you got to be looking around now from where where you're saying I can't. I've never seen a team give up this many big plays. You're looking at a team like that, saying like, I mean, we're, we're as good we're as stacked. anybody. We're stacked, right? Yeah, we're as good as anybody. Yeah. Was and, that so? Was that the Cincinnati game always gives me? As, uh, we got homered. Yeah, but is that the toughest loss you've had as a coach at Wisconsin? No. No, um, Ronnie's freshman year when he fumbled against Northwestern, I came home because uh, they're 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 saying in the box. Gary Danielson says they could run, take a knee and get out, which we couldn't. Yeah, we had to run a play. I screwed up because I should have run Mike Samuel on a sneak. He's a great sneaker. It, 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 we could have won the Cincinnati game and we could have won that game. Didn't you have? I mean, Penn State, right? That was a tight game. Thirty-four, year thirty-one. Also, right? Yeah, that game, but. We've got that game won, and if we just sneak the ball, the game's over. But somebody rock, Lyman rocks. I forget who it was that missed him. Darby, I think, misses him, and he comes clean in Ron's face and mm-hmm. drops the ball. They throw him out and up and beat us. I got home and I told Cindy this is going to be a rough week, and they came because he says I, Corso says on air I should be fired, and they're coming after me. I mean, I said, this is going to be a rough week. we got to button, button it up this week. How, mu- how much of that stuff did you pay attention to? Well, you know, when, when you hear it. Sounds like all And, you know, you, I got kids. I got Chad's in school. Stacy just graduated. Um, you know, they, they hear it. You know, you worry about your family. I mean, as a coach, you hear it. You hear that noise. And then so, I got to go speak to a booster club. And then I got to do the radio stuff. I got to. And then you hear from a young uh, ESPN, Craig Carmison, giving you grief about not playing the right quarterback. Well, his fir- first first time I ran into him and Steve, I'm, I'm coming home. It's Ronnie's senior year, and I said in an interview, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to scrimmage Ron. He doesn't need to scrimmage. And I hear these guys. He's not going to just start the station, and they're saying, I can't believe he's not going to scrimmage play, play Ron Day. And that's they're going. So I cut home and I called him up. <laughs> the hell do you guys know about anything you know i went on air with him and he, he's blasting us and and i'm saying you're loving i'm it. saying you may have that point but what do you what do you start in the senior quarterback at at the first time we had met was at uh, whatever spring practice and he said wow this kid bollinger is the first kid i don't know if you remember the first kid i've ever seen who actually played better than he practiced I never had a quarterback who was ready to play in his first time on the field better than practice. So I'm like, just throw that guy out there. Get that freshman playing. Yeah. And uh, but but it's it's incredible to to think back. I mean, Brooks Brooks is worth a mention, right? Because oh, you guys you guys go from you know oh, that Ohio State. So you go to Ohio State. The Ohio State, State game was probably Are you down it was seventeen nothing. Seventeen nothing at half, and I remember that's about three. as mad. Seventeen. I think we kicked the field goal yeah, just before we came three. in. About as mad as I've seen coach at halftime. Because going into it, I think we all knew we were a really good team, and the confidence started waning a little bit when since you know we lost to Cincinnati, Michigan beat us. Michigan at home, low and then scoring, sunny. You know, <laughs> did you did you put Brooks in? You know, obviously, he brought the, he brought, the second half at Michigan, or maybe middle of the third quarter. He comes in, he gets hit on a blitz, but he completes the pass. He does some really neat things. You could see 
he, he can he can do stuff that we haven't been able to do for a while. Yeah, movement, all the stuff, the keep yeah. passes, which yeah. was critical. But that uh, that game, I, I think you, from a player's standpoint, that's about as proud as we could be because we just whooped him. And it was, like, to me, looking at what Wisconsin football is all about, if you watch that second half, that's everything. So I'm leaving. The, I'm in a wheelchair. Oh, I forgot. I'm up in a box. I come down at halftime. They said my voice got a little high at half. Yeah, a little time. pitchy, <laughs> little pitchy. So, but I'm in a wheelchair. They're wheeling me out. I've got a busload from my hometown. I only live about two and a half hours from here. Grew up, so they, they're from my home. I can't wait to get down and see them. Now we just put 42 straight on Ohio State, and the the, uh, the crowd sees me. The Ohio State people see me. They start dog cussing me. <laughs> they are swearing at me. You no good, rotten. You accuse me of running the score up, which I did. I put an extra one on. <laughs> I said, yeah, I started, then I started, I'm laughing at him. I think you, there's never been a coach in the history of the world that's come into Ohio State and been accused of running the score up <laughs> on them. May never happen again. And it was no and fluke. It was steamroll you guys from there. Yeah. I mean, what, what a team. The next time we have. went up there, we were down 17 0 and beat them again. Twenty-one seven. Was that like Stocko's first start or something? Or it was some, it was I just somebody, know it was down 17 0. All, all I remember is whoever you had thrown the ball, I was like, I can't believe you're putting the faith because you threw the ball that day more than I thought you would, and 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 in that spot, that is a that is a tough place to play. Yeah, I mean, and I just I, keep, I don't know how you do it as an offensive lineman and not jump on every play because yeah. that's a loud place. And I just keep thinking back because you know we get a lot of credit and you're the only team, only program to ever win back-to-back Rose Bowls, but this kind of leads to Chris McIntosh, and you know he obviously is the new athletic director. But that moment, a lot of times you think of moments on the field. This was one in a meeting room. I don't even know if there are any coaches around when we got our tails kicked by Georgia. Yep. And we came back, and it was, you know, we need to do this better. We need, and Mac just got up, and he said, I didn't come here. None of you guys came here to lose in some, you know, outback bowl. We came here to win Rose Bowls. And from that moment on, I mean, that's all we ended up doing, but I just yep. thought that from a leadership standpoint – there yeah, were no coaches in there. Nothing. Yeah. We got. The, I got the word from from players. Came back and told me. So talk about McIntosh. Uh, when and he obviously could have ended up having a 15 year NFL career if things had gone different. When did you think he was a little different from a leadership? And you know, could, I mean, could you have imagined what he became? You know, um, Mac came in. You know, he's a big. Uh, he came in with a lot of potential, but Mac didn't have a lot of confidence when he came in. He'll tell you. Pretty that. quiet kid, right? Yeah, he was quiet. He, you know. He's a guy, big, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, going to get bigger, stronger, going to listen, smart, all those things. And uh, just a little late bloomer, but I tell you. But he's going to lift. He's going to work hard. Didn't wouldn't take any crap from the field. You know, your boy Tarek, our lifetime yep. scholarship guy. He's a senior, <laughs> and he's, he's trying to rough, him, rough Mac up in, on the scout team. Mac underhooks him, throws him right to his back. Never to have a problem with Tark again. You know. <laughs> See, Tash, you should have known. To I should have done that, Tark. Yeah, Tark is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's come a long way, Tark. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and and he ends up becoming one of those you know legendary program guys, and and now running the program. Um, how happy were you when when you got word that he was going to be that you know that he was going to be the guy to get that 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 job? Yeah, I was thrilled because this you know obviously I put a lot of time and effort and. Uh, into this program, it means a lot to me. I don't want it to see it slide. Uh, I, I know he's a guy that understands it. It's important to it. Means that's his life. I mean that he he can go back and talk about 
you know, it, it, it's transcended his life and his family and, and generations of his family will be educated, you know, because he had a chance, first one in his family, to come here, get an education. His kids will go to college and have educations. And uh, so it, it's so meaningful to him. He knows the culture. The people trust him. He just went through, and I gave him a ton of responsibility and decision-making during this pandemic. Uh, he was the point on a lot of the things we did because I wanted to have somebody. And by the way, I got to jump in because I know there was some, hey, he got handed the job. He got it because Barry gave I know you, you can't say everything you're thinking, but when we talk about it, it's like this guy is so prepared and how he approaches everything. And with the experience he has, it, when he goes and meets for a board, you don't think they're excited to hire this guy? I'm, you know, they're great candidates, but this isn't you handing someone a job. This no. is the guy who was the best guy for the job. Yeah, I understand. Or best I guy had nothing, or woman for the job. First of all, I right? had nothing to do with the process. Yeah. I thought it was a fair process. The chancellor uh, had a committee set up to screen all the applicants. Pete Miller, a, a faculty member, chair of our athletic board, about as solid a guy and as honest a guy, uh, easy, you know, just level, very, just very consistent. And, and we had alums uh, uh, representing all different facets of, our, of the university. They selected five finalists. Uh, I think the chancellor, right, somehow she was given th- five or three. It got down to three, uh, and, she inter- and she interviewed of all the ones they talked to, they narrowed it to five. Then they got it down to three, and uh, she interviewed and made the decision. So I didn't lobby for Mac. People, when I was asked by the media, you know, I am allowed to have an opinion. Yep. You know, and, and for somebody that's been here and invested the time, I think that's only right that I have an opinion. I did not make the selection. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. This is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Find more great content celebrating the legendary career of Barry Alvarez. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast free on Wisconsin On Demand. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez Interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmazan. Continuing on Barry Week as we chat with Barry Alvarez, Craig Carmazan, Mark Tauscher. So all of a sudden, you've accomplished more than anyone could have imagined as a coach. And you had always wanted to be a director of athletics. You always wanted to run a program. What's that process like? How do you decide? Do you know you're going to get the job? How, how does it work with Pat? What if he's not ready? How does that all work out? It was pretty interesting when I interviewed with Pat. So I, this was all I wanted. I, I, I admired my college coach, and this is what he did. And I can remember interviewing with Pat. And he said, so what's your next step? Well, I said, oh, I'm going to stay here a long time, but I'm going to build the program. I want to sustain it. And then. When I'm time, when you're stepping down, I'm gonna take your job. <laughs> I told him that in the interview. So the process was pretty simple. John Wiley called me in and said, "I want you to be the athletic director. <laughs> Pat's gonna retire. You're gonna be the. I want you to be the athletic director." I said, "Ooh, uh, I got a few questions." My first question was, "Do you think they handled the shoebox correctly?" <laughs> he said, "Absolutely not." I said, "Then we could talk more." And were you thinking like, "All right." running a program, hey, I'll be able to oversee football? Or were you right away like, hey, I got 
23, 20, 18 program? Like, I mean, you know what? I'd been on the senior staff. I'd asked. Pat knew what I wanted to do. So I'd asked to be on the senior staff. I, I think I'd be on, been on there three or four years. So I sat in on, on uh, senior staff meetings. I knew what was going on. So you didn't have to meet Ed Nuttycomb for the first time that no, day? Like, you, you know, you the one thing about all, you know, about our, our staff is relatively close. I think, I think I got them closer, you know, what I started doing. I'd have bus trip with just the head coaches. You know, we'd go up to the Dells. We'd play golf. We'd have a dinner. Uh, across all the different programs? Uh, with Everybody. All the head coaches. Wow. Yep. All just our head coaches. Yep. And we, or, or we'd have a meeting, start the year, and, and you know, and I'd start out every, every meeting every year by saying, look, look around this room. You know, look at, look at the success that, that many of these people have had. We have national championships and winners in here and uh, many uh, conference championship winners. A lot of success in this room. Uh, you have a lot of um, a, a lot of of advice to be had. Anything that you go through that you have any issues with, somebody in this room has lived it. You're going to have a problem. All of us have problems in coaching, you know, me included. So somebody in this room. So I, I wanted the coaches to know one another uh, and have the wherewithal to go next door, go down the hall. You know, if you're the softball coach, you go talk to the volleyball coach or they go talk to Paul or, or Tony could go talk. You know, so you can mix and match and, and, and support one another at the same time. And you're, So they got to know one another. And uh, we'd share what's the best thing you do in recruiting, go around the room. What's something that uh, the biggest issue you have, question you have in recruiting. You know, you'd have a battery of questions. And, and just share advice with these guys and, 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 and the gals, the coaches, and it was invaluable. So you said you're not a micromanager, so then all of a sudden you're managing a head football coach. How do you balance, you know, because you kind of could have managed him and then it's you still kind of coaching and he's the public. Like, are you like, sure you want to run the spread there? Yeah, um, yeah, like how – how did you figure well, that out? Because you know, I, I know you guys took walks, you know, pretty much every day, right? Well, I, that was we we did no we did, uh, Thursdays. <laughs> oh, were, Thursdays. Were but in Brett's case, when when he saw me at practice four days in a row, and if he's having problems with something, uh, or or you know, he'd ask me what I see or whatever. Like he was struggling one time with the secondary, so I went. I, he said, "I saw you watch practice all week. Yeah, what'd you see? This is what I saw." You guys aren't coaching hard enough. Your secondary guys aren't coaching hard enough. Your safety coach is back here visiting with somebody during the whole practice, teamwork. Corners coach isn't coaching before the snap or correcting. He isn't chasing the guy after the snap. Tell him good, bad. You're not getting any reinforcement. I said, we got they got, they got to coach better and they got to coach harder. Uh, or, uh, you know, I'm watching your time. You need to start pulling off practice. Uh, well, this, that, no, this is not, I'm not asking you to do that. This is an order, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, it, so the next week it's, you know, like you're going to be happy. I cut a half hour off. I said, not as happy as the players. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to the people and that would say, can Wisconsin ever win a national championship? Because we have been so good, yeah. so steady for a long time, but there are fans. We hear people call in, talk. Yeah. The next level. When get you get, to that next, yeah. next level. The Alabamas, it's the fair, Clemsons. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. We've been there. We should have won a national championship when Russell was here. You know, we, we blew two games oh. when Russell was here. Ohio State and, and, and the Michigan State game. Now, that's a team that can win it all. Um, even, the Ro even in the Rose Bowl. 
you know, you had a fluke fumble. Um, the, the 93 team, you know, I should have fought like Cal to keep Billy Callahan. But we, you know, I go up there with the Minnesota without, without my O-line coach. Now, maybe that would, wouldn't have made any difference. We had a million yards. We just fumbled or turned it over six or seven times. That's the only loss we had. We win that game. We're national champs. We'd have been the only undefeated team in the country. Uh, some of our other teams were good enough to be the national champs. We don't have the wherewithal the, with the athletes that Alabama has access to. Even the Florida schools have access to Georgia. Uh, we, we, you know, we're going to have certain years. We're going to be, be able to beat anybody in any given year. That's the way I look at it. We've never, since 93, I've never taken a field against anyone not thinking we had a, a, a legitimate chance to win. And you said you know who you are. So one of the things that's most underrated, you've picked coaches across all sports at a ridiculous level. Tash and I were talking about this. A ridiculous level. So was Gary Anderson a we don't know who we are anymore? Is, was his brand no, and what, Gary, his style of football, was that not Wisconsin football? Gary, you know, I watched Gary's teams play. I saw them go down and they had uh, the year before they played us. They had Auburn beat on the road at Auburn. Um, they lose an onside kick late, and they, and they lose a the game. They come in here the next year with a ragtag team, and they got us beat. I talked to Gary. I, I felt in the, at the interview, Gary understood how we're going to win. Gary, all of a sudden, he, he's not recruiting Wisconsin. And he wants to go get junior college guys, and, and guys he's fighting like hell to get guys with bad grades in. He's bringing linemen in from the West Coast. Can't can't play dead in a western, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I'm I'm going crazy. And then finally, he call, when he called to tell me he was leaving, he said, "I just can't do what you want me to do." I said, "Great, where are you going? Oregon State. All right, good luck. Call team meeting. I'm I'm flying in from New York right now. Get Wait. a team meeting. I'll be Wait. here now. Now the best. I mean, because because the greatest line ever, right? Of course is. I don't hire search committees. Yeah, search committees one. hire me. <laughs> that's a good one. Like all day long. That's 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 uh that's I mean that is the line that is incredible. But but literally, it's true. But, it's true. But, but not only is it true because he got on the plane in New York. He gets the call from Gary. By the time you landed, right on the napkin. Oh, I got my yeah. I got my pecking order. I have interviews lined up. Yep, you had your in list. Tampa. Right, no, no, no uh, selection. I mean, he had a well, list. No, you always said you'd always have a list of coaches that, in case something happened, so you were prepared. If what happened with Gary Anderson, I got one done in, in New York before I left. I had I had uh, uh, Shiano lined up in Tampa the next day, where I had to be for an interview, and I at the airport, and I had Paul before him. Paul was in Miami, and I told him he needed to come to Tampa. It's going to be done fast. All at the private uh, jet hangar. It was all done, right? Uh, Unbelievable. You're listening to the Barry Alvarez Interview, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Iron Jock would like to thank Barry Alvarez for his storied career at the University of Wisconsin. Thank you, Barry. From Iron Jock Nation. Go to ironjock.com and receive 20% off orders over $50 when you use the code IRONJOCK20. Thanks for the memories, Coach. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the Barry Alvarez interview. With Mark Tauscher and the coach Barry Alvarez himself, here's Craig Carmazan. 
as you looked at the other sports, right? Um, so you mentioned basketball. I mean, the Kohl Center is a huge building, a lot of pressure to fill. That also became the hottest ticket in town, right? And it wasn't, you know, Dick Bennett did an incredible job getting it going. But all of a sudden, the sustained greatness uh, on the basketball side, uh, how, where did where did basket, what did basketball mean to you as, uh, as, as well, the director of athletics? Here's the way it goes. And first of all, to have any success as an athletic director, you have to win in football. That's 80% of your money. The net, you have one other revenue generator. That's basketball. Plus, that, you know, you have some great fans. Uh, some of our great supporters are basketball people. So your two money generators, you have to be successful in those sports. You have to fill those arena so that you can give budgets to the other 21 sports to be competitive. If if you're not if you're not generating revenue with those two sports, you cut back on everyone else, and then everybody dips. So so with that being said, as a business person, how excited would you be when the volleyball team? Because you know, I mean, that's a top five program yeah. now, right in the country. Like, I think we know. can make that. A, I think I think some of the things that we're doing in the South End Zone. And, and we're going to build a – we've got a, a club coming right between the windows there. And so you'll have a club section. That you'll come from, from outside into the club section to watch games. But that same club section, you'll be able to watch volleyball. So we'll be able to – we're going to be able to generate some revenue with a club section for volleyball. But, but women's hockey, like you care deeply no, about all I these do. programs. I do. I want to win in yeah. everything. I, I want to win in everything. It's all important to me. I love our student-athletes. I'm going to do everything I can for them. But you have to have some priorities. You know, I, I read what somebody said the other day. It was, it was the Pac-12 commissioners who left. We won more national championships. Well, you know what? That's great that you won a, your league won the water polo. That's great for those guys. It doesn't get you anything. It doesn't help any other sports. It's great for those players. But that doesn't get you any awards. You, you win the Sears Cup. Okay. You have 36 sports. We have 23. It's, it's apples and oranges. But, by the way, do, winning in football is what gives that water polo program the opportunity yeah. to exist. Do you worry at all with how things are moving with name, image, likeness, and all the other stuff that non-revenue sports – is there – should you be worried about non-revenue sports if you're a big fan of those? I think name, image, likeness could help them, could help those student-athletes. I'm excited for – I, I was just reading the other day, two, they're, they're, I think they're sisters. I don't know if they're twins or not. They're, in a, they're an Olympic sport, but they have huge, whether it's Twitter, a lot of Social followers. media followers. Social, a ton of them. They're, they're going to be worth a lot of money, and, and apparently they've ca- capitalized already. But if you have the wherewithal, if you're smart enough and you're creative enough and, and you could use that to generate money, that's any sport. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to – we just hired a, a company – it's going to teach our athletes. It's going to value them. It's going to sh- show them how to, you know, how they they can monetize their social media accounts and monetize themselves. That's not limited to anybody. That's limited to all of our athletes. See, I'm he, excited about it, see, and he, I think it's healthy. See, he didn't have social media. That's why he had to go to the track, right? That's why you're going to the the horse. I just, the, 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 you know what? I, I was just a knucklehead. <laughs> A couple of us PA guys, we just think we're slicker than everybody else. Old Nebraska boys. Now, was that the dog track or the horse track that you'd go uh, to? We went to the dogs. Okay. Uh, we went yeah. to the dog track. They're going to watch High Lie. They're going to go see. The, they're going to all the nice stuff around Dania. Miami. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we're, we're at the dog track. We're gambling like we're going to outslick somebody, you know. we got a, we got a per diem. You know? 
Coach, who is who is the best football player that you've had in your, I guess, as not only as a coach but the entire time? Is it Joe? Would he be the best player that's come through here? Joe Thomas. Joe yes. Thomas. Yes. What was it? What is it about him? Um, first of all, he's very analytical, uh, an analytical thinker, angles. Uh, he's meticulous in footwork, hand placement, um, always under control, no, never overpowered. Um, he just he made he played that position, and made it look real easy. Mm-hmm. You did um, a lot of great players, you know. All right, let's actually let's well, go this rapid is why fire. We're doing, uh, okay, so, rapid fire. Okay, so. I'll I'll say a guy, you say a guy. We'll just we'll see what coach first, has to first, say. first things that that comes to mind about the guy, and let's go, Mike Samuel. Well, with the toughest guy on a team, voted by his teammates. Who I used to have one of the questions in the spring. You're going down the dark alley, one thirty at night. You had some shady characters coming the other. What teammate do you want with you? The majority of them want Mike Samuel with Quarterback. them. Quarterback. Wow. wow. Street fighter. Yep. Tarksala. Hard-nosed, tough grinder, overachiever. J.J. Watt. J.J. is just uh, exceptional physical ability. Uh, who developed it? Long, big hands, but got strong. Worked hard to make himself a great player. Corey Raymer. Fun to coach. Really a good player, but more fun to coach. Had fun playing. Uh, never took things real serious. Best defensive lineman I ever moved to center. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go uh, Vitaly Pasetsky. Oh. Vi, my guy Vi. I like Vi. <laughs> I had, you know, I had to go to Civil, Civil Liberties Union to fight to get Vi in here. <laughs> no, he still talks about how much it meant to him that you went to his citizenship uh, yeah. welcoming. Yeah. Um, Vi has a great story about going to Mass that first Sunday at the seminary. Uh, I love Vi, and it was a good kicker for us. Um, but a tough guy. Vi was tough in his own way. Remember when he got after Coach Palermo? Yes. And, uh... Oh, in the, kick, in the kicking meeting. JP, <laughs> really? you know, likes to yell and scream, and everybody intimidates everybody. Vi went back at him in Russian. <laughs> See, that's, that's the video. In like, Russian. Right, but Tash, isn't that what you love about football team? Like, the, it's, it's the special. It's all the guys and, on those stories. All right, keep going. Terrell Fletcher. Oh, I love Terrell. I got a great recruiting story on Terrell. So we're going in to close him. Uh, it's us in Ohio State. His dad, mom was a uh, secretary at the high school. Dad's a, really a personality plus guy, you know, and have a good home visit. We're leaving. His dad, Hosea, jumps up and says, Coach, Coach, I'm going to tell you, if Terrell comes to Wisconsin, you're going to win a lot of games. I said, now, Mr. Fletcher, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Whether he comes or not, we're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> Cause's mouth almost hit the floor. The kid's mouth, Terrell's mouth almost hits the floor. And nobody says anything. And he kind of, the old man kind of chuckles. We're, we weren't two blocks away, and he calls and commits. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, awesome. by the way, you said Brent Moss was the you know, MVP and all that. Fletcher is just Fletcher, good, right? If, Fletcher, he, if he, was, he, if he had gotten make, all he, those carries. Those two were tremendous comments because they complimented one another. Uh, Fletch could dance. He made cuts that no one even could. Even in the Rose Bowl game, in that ninety in the ninety four Rose Bowl, he makes a cut. I mean, they the the announcer made some comment like he didn't couldn't understand how he could make that cut, but he could make a, like a five yard jump cut and be full speed again. Chris Chambers, super athlete, 
he, he opened the door for us in, in Cleveland. We got him. I, I promised him he could play two sports. I knew that wouldn't last long. But he did. He played both sports, basketball and football, as a, as a freshman. Really good player for us. Lee Evans. Uh, he opened the door. Chris opened the door for Lee. And uh, uh, he was – Lee is truly special. How about how he came back from injury, right? That yeah. killer. Oh, almost killed me watching that because I didn't want him to, I didn't want him to practice I mean, when we were green jerseys. In the not, spring game. Yep. I said, I want, uh, you're not going to wear it. Last day of that AstroTurf was after that yeah. game, I believe. He said, I, I said, I don't want you to play. No, I'm, I'm going to pr- – Wear green jersey then. No, I'm not wearing green jersey. And I was up in the box doing the radio, and he came down. I saw how he came down. Oh Lord, I just I took off out of there. That was. And the season he ended up coming back with yeah, was as explosive as a season. You know, coming off an great NFL like that. career. Still, last one, Mark Tauscher. Mark Tauscher, probably made. You know, unfortunately, he was here with first rounders in front of him. <laughs> one of the best things I ever did. And that some of my assistants did was run into him at the Kentucky Derby and realize he had a year left of eligibility. After one day of spring practice, I said, go get Touch and get him back here. I couldn't be more proud of anyone that, that's come through this program and to perform like he had, he did. I remember Ron Wolf coming in and saying, that Toucher kid's really had a hell of a year, didn't he? I said, did he? Because I, I, I noticed offensive linemen when they screw up. So I never really noticed Touch much because he just does what he's supposed to do. You know, then I go to the All-Star game. He's better than everybody, you know. So I, I just very proud of Touch. Dependable, tough, built to play football. And, you know, the, the stories they tell of him when he had to go in as a, with, with an injury and had to start against, was it Reggie White? He had got a sloppy sack against you, and you were so upset that he got that sack. This no, is... that was Strahan. Oh, Strahan. Oh, Strahan. Strahan got okay, this is Strahan. Uh, yeah, I'll put, oh, Strahan we'll got put big air quotes around that sack. Who was that? Uh, who who t- t- tells that story? He said, I look up, here comes Toucher in the game. A rookie, he's got to play against Strahan. Yeah. And he said, I'm worried. He got no, the sloppy. Best, the best line was uh, Mike Sherman came up to me before the first preseason game, and Favre had just signed a $100 million contract. He said, can I really put a $100 million quarterback in front of you? And I said, man, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all you did was produce, Tausch. Well, and, and it's it's so amazing, right? Because there are the the people who from day one, like Ron, and the people from, you know, who are almost out of eligibility, like Tausch, who, you know. And- I, I mean, the the impact, and this has got to be the coolest thing for you, because you, I, you always knew it, but you see it when there's some, like a big moment, you're retiring. The impact that you have had on the thousands of people, that's got to be the most powerful part of everything that you've done here. Yeah, Tosh, to me, and I've said this a number of times, and, you know, just the, the feedback. I get, I get letters from guys I coached in, in the early 70s. Lincoln Northeast, my first job. Um, Lexington, Nebraska. I, I, get te- I had three texts from one of the kids from Lexington today. Um, I, I stayed close to a lot of the guys. Um, and when I get when someone tells me and shares with me that I affected their lives somehow, that's what I got into coaching. I you know I I made like six seven thousand dollars as a high school coach. That's what I made you know. And I, so you don't get in to make money. You get in because people affect. I was fortunate enough to have outstanding coaches in in high school football all the way through my career and in little league baseball. Oh, I had great coaches, and I wanted to affect. People like they affected me, and uh, and so when players come back and tell me that, that's that means the most.
uh, volume. All the things that you've done for people, and it's all the stories, all the times, all the you know the coaches, the business executives. I mean, as part of this Barry Week, we have a week the business of Barry, all all the That's CEOs cool. and you know the Kenny Dictors, the people who you know who are on your tree who never yeah. played a down, never played a snap, who consider you me, who never even yeah. got into University of Wisconsin, who I know we, we couldn't have been what we are without you. So. So the, the tree, the, I know we, I can't be on the tree the way Tausch is, but so many of us owe so much to you. And yeah. uh, being able to sit out here with you and, and, and talk about all these memories is just absolutely incredible. Oh, that's very kind of you, Craig, and I appreciate it. This, is, this has been a fun time. It is Barry Week. Thanks to Barry Alvarez, Mark Tauscher, Craig Carmazin, right here on ESPN Wisconsin. Miss any great Barry Week content? You don't need a search committee to find it. I won't use a search committee. Most search committees use me. Full show podcasts are available free. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin On Demand, and wherever you get your podcasts.